Next on BYU Sports Nation, if Jaron Hall can't play Saturday, could the Cougars knock off Boise State with third-string quarterback Baylor Romney? Which is the must-win game BYU has to win to become bowl eligible? And Ului Lapuaho tells us what to expect from a banged-up offensive and defensive line Saturday against Boise State. BYUSN starts now. This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Johnny Linehan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is great to have you Thursday, October 17th. I'm Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is with Jason Shepard in Denver, going to the Broncos Chiefs game tonight. So I'm teamed up with the man who brings his own signage to Studio B. Johnny Linehan. This is a thing of you <laughs> what? right here. That thing's dusty. Where's that thing been? Well, it's been down in the basement because ever since it's been made, we actually haven't beaten Boise State. Okay. So, so, it, was, so it was made in what, 16? Yeah, 16. Yeah. And it's funny because if you look closer, you won't be able to see it, but there's a little knuckle hole right here. On okay. the, so I think someone after the game when we got back to the locker room got a little bit mad. And, so you grabbed it from and, the and, stadium and or something? It, me. That, it was in the locker room. It was in these, the locker room. Signs. And real funny, this... They actually photoshopped my nostrils because when we did this, I think I had a little bit of overhead. Oh, you had some uh, bats so, in the cave? Yeah, so shout out. Oh. Shout out to the graphic <laughs> department. Had a little bit of bats. In, well, I don't know if it was or if it was just a shadow. We'll That's go with funny. the shadow. But they, they I like the bats in the cave story better. They made it look good, but I All brought right. it for some karma today. Yeah, let's, uh, let's hang it up over here. So I'll, I'll be at, uh, a bit dusty, so I'll hand this off. You know what we haven't done this week that we typically do? <laughs> Spuddy Buddy's still on set. That's a, you know what? We can't tolerate this. As the official mascot of Idaho, we take a brief respite from Sir Spud-a-Lot, and uh, it's a tradition, unlike any other. <laughs> I throw these off. Thank you. So we have the small version, which uh, has the cap. We'll remove the cap out of respect. So Spuddy Buddy. No, this is Boise State Week. No, this ain't happening. You know what? You shouldn't have been on the set the whole week. <laughs> My bad. We forgot. Hey, we fixed it. And we have uh, better signage with uh, Dusty... Bats in the cave, Johnny Linehan over here. <laughs> it looks, looks good, though. It, looks it good. does look good. <laughs> Here's what's on the show rundown today. Can BYU beat Boise State with Baylor Romney at quarterback if it comes to that? We'll break it down, plus the latest on Jaron Hall. Is he ready to go? Has he passed concussion protocol? We'll tell you. Which program would you rather be right now? Given everything, on and off the field, BYU or Boise State, we'll discuss. Plus, Ului Lapuaho will join us in studio. And Heather Olmstead, the head coach of the ninth-ranked women's volleyball team. But first, today's headlines. Jaron Hall participated in practice yesterday, but has not passed concussion protocol to plant Saturday's game against number 14 Boise State as of yet. Jaron Hall, what's the timeline? So really no timeline. It's just a matter of day-by-day diagnosing the symptoms. If there's no symptoms on the day and you're able to practice, then that's kind of how it is. We'll see if he gets cleared today, Friday, Saturday. I imagine that we won't know if he's okay until Saturday. Countdown to kickoff live 9 Eastern Saturday night. If you want to watch Jaron Hall warm up or Baylor Romney or anybody, there's only one place to do it. It's on that show. Danny Sorensen, Andy Reid, and Jason Shepard's Kansas City Chiefs take on the Denver Broncos tonight on Thursday Night Football. Danny Sorensen has 13 tackles so far on the season. Okay, so who do you want in that one, Chiefs or Broncos? I want whatever is on my fantasy team, but <laughs> I do like how the Chiefs play. I also like Shep, so there you go. 
Hopefully it's a good one for him. Yeah, go Broncos. Top drawer soccer <laughs> released its top 100 uh, college players. Michaela Coolahan number 17. Elise Flake, number 61. Flake, 61. She's got to be like top 30 or 40, right, if not in the 20s. The two have combined for 19 goals, 7 assists. The still undefeated Cougars host St. Mary's Friday night on BYU Radio at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. And BYU men's golfer Peter Quest, the quest for perfection, is ranked as the top male collegiate golfer in the nation, according to the NCAA rankings released yesterday. Quest has posted an NCAA low 67.9 scoring average and recorded three top five finishes in as many tournaments for the Cougars this season. Quest and the number five ranked Cougars will play in the Pacific Invitational next week. Number one for Peter Quest, number five for the men's golf team. Hey. Nice. It's fantastic. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. So Jaron Hall didn't pass concussion protocol yesterday. Maybe he will in the next couple of days. That's the hope. Uh, But if not, Baylor Romney's the guy, the third string, if Hall can't go. In comes Boise State. Undefeated, 6-0, ranked number 14. So, Johnny, let's ask a hard question. Can BYU beat Boise State with Baylor Romney at quarterback? Anything is possible, Jaron. BYU can beat anyone, but they're going to have to have every. I don't need these big blue ones. I need these small blue ones there right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I am going to put them on because you're going to show up. You got the, everyone counting you out, you know, and, and probably for some right reason, right? Having bad losses against Toledo and at South Florida have added to that. But for BYU to, to knock off Boise State, it was going to be difficult, but we're going to need a lot of help from our offensive line, who was super banged up, so we're going to have to rely on some fresh and young and inexperienced players. But also, we've got to get that running game going. We're not going to be able to throw for as much. Boise State, their DBs, they're going to be licking their chops, you know, looking at how, how, how we haven't been able to throw the ball very well with a new quarterback coming in. So we've got to get the running game going, and that starts with the offensive line. I think if BYU is fully healthy and has everybody available, they got a shot, right? And Boise State is good. They haven't played anyone super tough. Florida State was the one non or the one power five game. Marshall was a close game, fourteen and uh, fourteen to seven. Boise State was down eighteen, came back to beat Florida State, who's not very good, right? Boise State's still good. They have everyone's respect. Everyone respects Boise State and what they do. I don't believe they're the fourteenth best team in the country. I do believe they're a top. 20 teams, so whatever. They're, they're a very good team. They're undefeated. They have no reason not to be ranked where they are. I think if BYU can do what it d- did against USC, BYU has a chance to win this game. And it's less about Baylor and it's more about the defense. If BYU can stop the run and then force multiple turnovers. Remember, how did BYU equalize the game with all those four and five stars with USC? It was three interceptions. That's how BYU equalized the game. It was two picks early. BYU got 10 points off those turnovers. BYU got a late score on a Zach Wilson run, made a couple of winning plays, and then BYU sealed it with Diane Gonwoloku, who hopefully is back after a hamstring injury. If BYU can be something wild, like plus two or three in turnover margin in this game, I think perhaps that could equalize it. Let's be honest, Baylor Romney, we don't know much about him. I'm super biased. He's a Mormon Colonies kid, so I'm like his number one fan outside of his mom and dad right now, and maybe Gunner. But uh, he showed well in the two he did. series. He did. Leading BYU into the red zone with a chance to win. Didn't make a game-winning play. He said he's disappointed that BYU didn't do that. 
He looks super calm, super composed. Um, it could be a little rainy and wet in this game, so hopefully that doesn't minimize his skills as a passer. But Aaron Roderick said he's one of the most athletic guys on our team. I, he said, I don't want to oversell it, but this kid is athletic. You mentioned the run game. Katoa and Isupa were not in the game at the end of the game for BYU there. Hopefully those guys are okay. He talked about that banged-up offensive line. I think it will take a really, really well-played game for BYU to one compete and to two win. It's not, uh, not going to be a high-percentage chance, but BYU's just playing one game, and the better team usually wins. But what if BYU can run the ball, stop the run, and create some turnovers? They got a shot. Definitely. Yeah, I think Baylor can do it. I think the key, though, there piggybacking off your points is not to try and do too much. I think every now and then he thinks, oh, I have to win it myself. They just got to play a perfect team game, trust the game plan, trust the system, and I think they can be competitive. So which injuries concern you the most, quarterback or the offensive line? Feels like quarterback would certainly be uh, the answer here, and it is for me. Offensive line, though, if you don't have a good O-line, it may not matter who's back there at quarterback, right? Um, You could have Taysom Hill back there, but if the O-line's banged up, um, and BYU is banged up, what is up with Tristan Hodge, who missed the game at USF? Thomas Schoff left the game. Keanu Saliapaga left the game. Kiefer Longson, I believe, wasn't available either last week or or is banged up as well. That's tough. Those are four of your top seven guys. Hopefully, BYU will have... Uh, a few, if not all, going into this game. Um, I do think it is quarterback, though. This would be Baylor-Romney's first start, should Jaron Hall not be able to go. Um, and, and hopefully Baylor is uh, in a position where BYU can figure out some things offensively. I think the Cougars aren't scoring enough points, but I think BYU's getting into the red zone enough. They're just not punching it in. Fifth worst in, in the country in TD percentage. Joe Critchlow is apparently having a, a good week of practice as well, so he's perhaps in position to be the backup should Romney be the starter. So here we go again. The quarterback carousel goes. I, I think it's quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to go with the offensive line. You know, last week at South Florida, we gave up so many tackles for loss. 13. 13 and six tackles sacks. for loss. Incredible. That, that's, they had more sacks in one game than we've had on the whole season. So that, that, that's, that's a stat of the day we didn't play the music for. That was incredible. <laughs> but it's definitely the offensive line, especially with – with all the you know attrition that they've had there, they're going to have guys that are going to come in and have to give Baylor or Jaron some time. I personally think that you know if if Jaron isn't healthy, if he was taken out of the last game, then they should look after him unless he's one hundred percent okay to go. And I think they should be preparing, and maybe they are for another quarterback to come in. But the offensive line that starts there, they've got to create the holes for the running game, especially if we're going to be playing you know some younger running backs. Sione Finau might get a lot more carries, and then also give him time for our receivers to get separation downfield because our receivers, they haven't been great on the season, but they have had their moments. I've really been pleased with Micah Simon this season, but he's going to need some time to get separation, get down the field, especially in the conditions that you said. Get open, starts with the offensive line. The all-time Mountain West Conference sack leaders on the other side for Boise State, Curtis Weaver, who just passed Jan Jorgensen, by the way, <laughs> uh, and Jerry Hughes uh, a couple games ago. Here's offense coordinator Jeff Grimes on the O-line depth. You never have enough offensive linemen, and we certainly don't yet, but we're going to put the best group we have on the field, and, and I believe those guys will, will give us everything that they've got, and it'll be, uh, it'll be a good opportunity to, to see what they're made of, certainly against this defense. It's a quality Boise State defense, one that uh, typically you're not like, oh, they're like top 20, but they're, they're, they're fantastic. They uh, force turnovers and set up that offense, which has a quality run game, very good passing game. What we haven't mentioned in this whole conversation, by the way, 
is that Boise State is banged up themselves at quarterback. Hank Bachmeyer had a hip pointer or something like it uh, last week. Chase Cord came in. Jalen Henderson came in. Boise State might be playing its back of quarterback in third string as well. But the injuries BYU sustained to not only Zach Wilson uh, and Jaron Hall, but Tyson Williams and the O-line and Zane Anderson. And, uh, and it goes on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's just, it's just insane. And it, and it makes me wonder, okay, what, what's – why are there so many injuries? Is it just are all injuries just chance, or is there something to who you play, how you train, all these things? It's hard to know the exact answer, but BYU is banged up. Boy State a little bit at quarterback as well, so we shall see. Okay, topic three: the story for the rest of the season will be BYU's pursuit of a bowl game. Cougars have winnable games against Liberty, Idaho State, and UMass. Cue the beat UMass uh, movement from Spencer Linton from 2017. That gets you to five wins if you win those three, right? What will the other win be? With Boise State ranked 14th, BYU perhaps down to its third-string QB, banged up O-line, as we mentioned. Let's boil this down to two games then. Johnny, which game will be easier to win between Utah State and San Diego State if it comes to that? Let me get these big old blue goggles. <laughs> oh, not, not for this. Come on. Those are the New Year's Six we, goggles. All right, we we they, reserve those. All right, we'll yeah. reserve those, but... I really want to say Utah State because there's something about them being a rivalry game, especially these last few years. We haven't done well with our extended rivalries, not just Utah, but also Boise and Utah State. So we definitely need to get back there, not make it three in a row. But I think the easier game or the most winnable game, shouldn't have said easier, most winnable game out of these, in my opinion, would be San Diego State. I think especially because of the injuries, Utah State comes up a lot faster. They'll be here in a couple of weeks. And we're going to need that extra experience to go in and, and have these players have some game time experience, go in and make some plays. And I think San Diego State, they're also not as great as they have been in previous years. Obviously started the season uh, with a, a nail-biting 6-0 win at, over our brothers down in Weber State. <laughs> and so I think San Diego State gives us the most winnable, but I am expecting two wins out of those. Utah State, I think, feels like a harder game than San Diego State because Utah State's won a couple in a row and three of five, right? And, uh, yet Utah State uh, barely beat San Diego State, got worked at LSU, although everyone's getting worked at LSU. Hard to know what Utah State is, but it's a team that has beaten BYU a couple of times in a row, and that's a little scary. I- I'll agree. Uh, I'll agree with Spencer and go San Diego State. I, I think BYU plays well in that stadium. Uh, let's just call it Jack Murphy Stadium just for old time's sake, right? That's the regular <laughs> season ender. BYU played all those holiday bowls there. Kyle Van Noy wreaked havoc there. BYU won its last game there in 2016. You were on that team against Wyoming, against Josh Allen, who ends up being a first-round pick, right? Uh, Tanner Mangum throws for 92 yards in a, in a win in the reign of San Diego. Field position. It was wild. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. How many were inside which, the 20? <laughs> which, by the way, Greg, Greg Rebell tweeted a stat uh, a couple days ago, which is uh, 100% indicative of who wins. The last two years, the last two seasons, started last year to now, when BYU's won the starting field position, undefeated. Undefeated, 9-0. Lost, 0-10. How about that? Do you need to even look at the score? Yeah. Do we just look at average starting field position? I do think, <laughs> I do think that it's San Diego State, um, but perhaps it's Utah State. Maybe it's San Diego State because they don't have a home field advantage. They just don't. No one cares about San Diego State football in San Diego, right? They borrow uh, an empty stadium from a team, NFL team that doesn't even exist, right, uh, in that area. They moved up because the fan base wasn't, uh, you know, that they didn't have the renovation money, blah, blah, blah. Utah State in Logan. November 2nd, that could be a tough one. It could be a snow game. It could be a cold one. You played in that game. It can be weird. Those fans can be, 
can do their thing. Different. Right? They can talk yeah. to you. <laughs> you can talk to them, as you had experience with. So we'll see. BYU certainly needs to win one of Boise State, Utah State, and San Diego State uh, to get to a bowl game, assuming they win the other three. Our question of the day, which Mountain West Conference team are you most confident BYU will beat this season and why? Let's go to the voice of the nation. This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Bryson Denny on Instagram, weigh in on Facebook and Twitter as well. If we play like we did against Tennessee and USC, then I think we can beat all of them. But we have substantial injuries to our team, which makes it hard to know how the team will come out and play. Um, yeah, when you lose to USF but you beat USC, it's hard to know what you are. And uh, no Zach Wilson. I-, I feel like if Jaron Hall was in this game, I would feel different about it. We just don't know as much about Baylor Romney. And it's hard to be like crazy confident about the third string guy. Maybe Baylor Romney surprises us. We'll see. Yeah, I hope so. Anyway, coming up. Overall, as a program, would you rather be BYU or Boise State? I think our uh, audience is a little biased on the subject, but we will discuss. And how do the Cougars cope with an injured offensive line? Louis Lapahu is in studio to tell us. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Saturday, get ready for BYU and Boise State with Countdown to Kickoff, live from LaValle Edwards Stadium with Spencer, David Nixon, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and special guest analyst Brian Keel. It all begins at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific on BYU TV. Excited about uh, that because we get an extra 15 minutes. So we'll go to uh, <laughs> 8.15 Mountain, 10.15 Eastern. This is BYU Sports Nation, simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Jerem joined alongside Johnny Linehan. And our next guest is a former offensive lineman, former teammate of uh, Johnny's, and a guy who uh, was made famous because of a, a Boise State game. Ului Lapuahu is in studio. Ului, hey, good to have up? you back, man. from that one win for these past five years, right? Yeah, <laughs> come right. on, man. Yeah, that's right. so, come on, let's go. What, what comes to mind when you think about Boise State and BYU? This is another uh, fun one this Saturday. <sighs> it's a tough game. Uh, I, I know it's going to be very physical and very uh, emotional out there. So I'm excited to see how we do. Um, I know how I would approach the game, but... Excited to see what these guys do. How would you approach it? <laughs> well, you know, first off, I'd start out by, you know, holding in everything, all my anger for the whole week, just like to not lash out on anybody, but just to hold it for that Saturday. You'd save it. Save it. Oh. Put it in, you know, in my back pocket. The emotional bucket. <laughs> yeah. Just, and then when that game out. comes, you just let it all out, unleash it. Could so. you control it in that way? Where, one, you could save it, and then, two, you could harness it in a way that's not a 15-yard penalty? Well, that's, no, I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) It was bad. I mean, the first time I actually got a uh, 15-yard penalty was because Tijan gave me some (laughs) pre-workout. And I used to be able to great at holding in my emotions, but after I took pre-workout that one time, I just, (laughs) I played better, and I was like, but there's costs. And I'll, I could live with those costs. What game was that? Uh, I think it was Virginia my freshman year. 2013 at 20, Virginia? 14, no. 14 here. here. Yeah. That was a win. Yes, it was. That was, a, that was a fun one. It was. Saturday afternoon. Yeah, that was great. Broncos future team. We didn't know it at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. So Louie and I, we had a moment, one practice. I'm not sure if you remember. Uh, I, I can't remember which year it was. <laughs> But we, we had a kicking battle, and there were a couple of kickers, and I was holding for a field goal, <laughs> and there was a snap, 
and we missed the field goal. And of course, the offense has done a great job to get us in a, a field goal position. We're doing a red zone field goal to, to win the game simulation, and we missed the field goal. And so Louis uh, reacted at me, and I was wondering if you had some pre-workout before that as well. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's that was probably just the stresses of work or of school and practice. That was the end of practice. I feel you. Those man. practices yeah. were hard. I remember that too. Yeah. 2016, yeah, I think. It was all good. I mean, that was a great year for us. We were just trying to get everything <laughs> perfect, you know. But, but talk about kind of what are, what are some of the frustrations that you have seen since last time you were here before the Toledo and USF. Obviously, we've seen how those things have played out. What, what have you seen um, on your end at home? I've just been frustrated with the small mistakes, you know, the things that we shouldn't be doing. So for O-line-wise, I mean, that's why I watch first is that we're not doing well protecting. And the reason why is we are – I'm seeing a lot of leaning, a lot of your hands are out here, you know, you know, our guys are, are, aren't placing their hands in the right spot and we're leaning in those punches and those guys are D linemen are just swiping at us and we're, we're falling to the ground and Jaron Halls or Zach or Baylor's having to scramble or make a play because of it. So I, I've been frustrated in that because that's such an easy thing to fix. That's, that's more of a, that's an effort thing, you know, something you can fix. Um, it doesn't take you know, bye week or it's not like an injury, but that's, that's one thing I've seen. And I think our ability to finish drives. I mean, I, I, I like, <laughs> I like kicking field goals, um, especially when you make them, but you know, if we're getting in the end zone, we got to get six. And yep. I mean, if we got two touchdowns more that last week, you know, we wouldn't be as sad as we are today. So, yeah, we're talking about w- finishing one more drive each game, essentially. Yeah. That could have been the difference, right? And BYU is throwing into the end zone two weeks in a row to win. I mean, it's this close. From being 4-2, and two, it feels terrible right now, right? Like, it feels un-BYU-like, um, yet BYU is yes. this close. So I, I don't think any of us take any solace in that, though. We're just all kind of frustrated right now. How yeah, do you I'm feel? extremely frustrated. Because uh, I... I, I I feel bad saying this, but I, I thought these two wins, these two are, they should have been two wins. These past two games should have been easy wins for us, um, especially with the way we played against USC and Tennessee. But I feel, I mean, I know our players are frustrated too. I don't want to rag on them too much and our coaches are frustrated, but, you know, it's just, we need, we need to get it together. You know, we need to play. There was a good quote I heard yesterday when I was watching the Troy football game uh, from a coach down there. He's really smart, um, Coach Pugh. He yeah, I was said, gonna say Ryan Pierce with Troy. Yeah, yeah he said you, you got to play to your capability, and so I feel like we're missing out on a lot of that right now. So, what's the differences you've seen from USC and Tennessee wins to Toledo and USF losses? <sighs> it's just an hour show, by the way. Well, <laughs> just the—I mean, for the things I've seen is so USC and Tennessee, we were making big plays when we needed it, but I, I think the difference between ten. Toledo and um, USF is that we're getting in tight situations, but it's our fault. It's not because we're going against a good, great defense or, you know, five-star recruits. It's kind of like we're biting ourselves in the butt, you know, and we're making that game closer than it should be. So, and instead of, you know, Tennessee and USC where we make the plays, we're not making those plays and we're making mistakes and we, we, we lose. Are these easily correctable? Do you feel like BYU can change some things and turn this uh, quickly? And perhaps Saturday is not the game to do it. A ranked team, a rival, you hope, but 
It, yeah. feel, it feels like a bye week will benefit BYU in this regard, but I really wish this week was Liberty, Idaho, or Idaho State, or UMass for this situation. Yes. I mean, I, for this game, I'm looking for, for what I was, uh, improvement. So I want to look at the things that we messed up on in USF and Toledo, and I want to correct that in this game. So I want to minimize the offside penalties. I want to minimize the, the holding and the sacks. I don't want... You don't want to give up six sacks and 13 TFLs this week? <sighs> I mean, that was rough, right? They they were rough, but I will be I will say like blocking for a new QB is really hard. You know, after you've gotten used to, you know, a certain certain different QBs have different drops. So like say Zach will physically with the footwork? With the footwork, so he'll take a six step drop and then he'll step up or, you know, but I don't know, it's it, it's hard to get used to another set of uh set of legs out there. And then the other side of things like, you know, defenses look at that as like, "Oh, it's a new QB." So if we could frustrate him, we could blitz him. We can, you know, get in their head. We can uh, get his eyes pulled down, and he's not looking to throw. He's looking to run, and he'll get sacked. So, or or run into the end zone. In the case of Jaron Hall, that yeah. was actually a good thing when he <laughs> which was is, running, right. Which was good, yeah. but then it opens you for injury. So it's a double-edged sword. Hard to, you know, say what you want. Yeah, I, I mean, this is awesome going into the inside of, of a player. Obviously, never played offensive line, never talented enough. It's a super skillful <laughs> I position. I don't think it was talent yeah, issue it might, for might you. Been, it was mainly size. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like to tell people the only thing. A little things, bit more meat pies would have been good. <laughs> Dude, I love the meat pies. The only thing stopping me from playing in the NFL was talent. So, I mean, <laughs> a little bit more. But So, talk about, like, do you have any – do you talk with any of these guys on the team right now? I know Jake Aldroyd is like a little brother to me, so I text him, call him, comes over to my house to chat about a few things if it's on his mind. Do you have any kind of guys that look to you as a mentor and, and take us through, if you do, what's their thought process through this all? Because it has to be a pretty discouraging time. I mean, I try not to text them. That's the, that's the funny thing. I so I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is like I try not to, to add any more, I guess, pressure or – you know, because there's a lot of voices going in their heads right now and a lot of things that. But when I was playing, when we would go through these bad these bad moments, I knew what was wrong and I knew what we needed to do to fix it. And it wasn't to. What I'm trying to say is that our team doesn't it's not that we don't have the ability or the tools surrounding our team to fix these problems. Like the, I, I knew I didn't need to look for a third party to to get my mind right these guys know what they need to do they just need they just need to do it and that's that's what that's what hurts the most watching you know it's is that our guys aren't being able to fulfill their abilities with on the field yeah it's like being a new parent and people are telling you hey you need to do this you need to do this oh, yeah. kind of step back not an uncle rico moment just if they come to you they know uncle <laughs> yeah. uncle louis there to help if anything i text them and i say hey great game I support you still love you and then they text back oh thanks bro so the guys I keep in touch with are, you know, the Paulies. It's easy. Like Lorenzo, um, uh, Lorenzo and Keanu. And so it's, it's a small list. I try not to interfere too much. Yeah, they can just go to Twitter and get all the feedback they want. Yeah, I mean, if they, <laughs> they know how I feel. I mean, I don't want to, you know, get too crazy on the text messages or Twitter board with yeah, them. Yeah, so. take it easy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We're talking to <laughs> Louis Lapuaho, former BYU offensive lineman here. Um, let's, let's talk about this idea. We were discussing if Jaron Hall can't go, and as of right now, he's not past concussion protocol. Baylor Romney is the guy. Do you feel like BYU can beat Boise State with Baylor Romney at quarterback? And perhaps it's more than just Baylor in the effort. 
Well, the thing is, is that we were surprised these past two weeks by two teams that we didn't think we could. So Saturday is anybody's game, you know, depending on who shows up and how we play. We're a little injured at O-line, so whether I can say we can protect Baylor if he's playing, uh, I'm a little scared about that. Well, I'm not scared that we can't, but you never know. I can't say that we'll be able to do it well, as well as we could. But I think... You know, anything can happen on Saturday. And Baylor, he he didn't get on this team because he's a scrub, you know. He's good. And it just depends on his preparation and, and how well he'll attack this game. Um, but I don't know. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to, you know, take it, give any, like, hard takes right now saying, like, oh, we will win at this. But, you know, it just depends on how – while they prepare this week. And he's taken the number one reps from Monday on as Jaron's tried to pass concussion protocol. So that's good in terms of just well, getting yeah. it could better looks. Joe Critchlow getting better looks should he be yeah. needed as well. Um, and Saturday, the weather may play into this game as well. Did you like playing in kind of a cold, wet environment as an offensive lineman? No <laughs> sleeves, the whole thing, right? Well, Jones yeah. Lavin. I mean, there's no pressure for O-lineman because, <laughs> you know, we don't even touch the ball, so like everybody's saying, oh, it's slippery conditions for holding the ball. Like I don't even have to worry about that. So you you held the ball at Utah. I mean that but, was, but it wasn't wet. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. wet. Yeah. That, that was so easy to be honest. So I think <laughs> I think it's all you know over you know overanalyzed on the wet ball situation. But I think the weather should play a thing. If anything, it will slow the game down and maybe force, that's goodness. Which is good because Boise State has a state. really good air attack. Um, which would slow the game down, force them to run, force us to run. And, you know, low-scoring game would play in our benefit. Fans always love the low-scoring game. Oh, wait, no. no. But if BYU wins, <laughs> they'll love it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we appreciate the time. Great stuff. And uh, look forward to Saturday's game, Louis. Hey, same here. Okay. And that shirt's fantastic, by the way. We need to get, we need to get more of that in Thanks. October. I like it. It's my lucky shirt. <laughs> Coming up, Heather Olmstead joins us as her team prepares for a big WCC match against San Diego. And what program would you rather be right now? Boise State or BYU? Why would we want to be Boise State? There are reasons. Let's chat. This is BYU Sports Nation. If you can't watch or listen to BYU Sports Nation live at noon Eastern, fear not. Download the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play, and enjoy On Demand. While you are there, subscribe, rate, and review BYU Sports Nation wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Jerem Jordan alongside Johnny Linehan. Great to have you with us on a Thursday, two days before BYU and Boise State. So let's get you caught up on today's headlines. Jaron Hall participated in practice yesterday, but has not passed concussion protocol to play in Saturday's game against number 14, Boise State. Jaron Hall discusses the timeline. So really no timeline. It's just a matter of day by day diagnosing the symptoms. If there's no symptoms on a day and you're able to practice, then that's kind of how they do it. So apparently he's continuing to have the symptoms. Hopefully he can be cleared and play. If not, Baylor Romney's the guy. Countdown to kickoff. A one-hour and 15-minute edition Saturday night starting at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific on BYU TV. Danny Sorensen, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Denver Broncos tonight on Thursday Night Football. Sorensen has 13 tackles on the season. And Kansas City is going to win that game. Okay. <laughs> Calling your shot. Top Drawer Soccer released its top 100 college players. Michaela Coolan, number 17. Elise Flake, number 61. You and I both agree. She That's Rob. Much higher than 61. 
two have combined for 19 goals and seven assists this season. And the still undefeated Cougars host St. Mary's Friday night on BYU Radio, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Put your blue goggles on for those girls. Love it. BYU men's golfer Peter Quest is ranked as the top male collegiate golfer in the nation, according to the NCAA rankings released yesterday. Quest has posted an NCAA low 67.9 scoring average, only something I could dream of, (laughs) and recorded three top five finishes in as many tournaments for the Cougars this season. Quest and the number five ranked Cougars will play in the Pacific Invitational next week, and I will stick to mini golf. Yeah, if you and I played (laughs) uh, nine... Yeah. He, or we played yeah. 18 and he played 9 yeah. it'd be the same score like it, it's wow. I mean, it's amazing he'd still beat me I mean, you, sti- might, you might be better no, no, than no, I no. he'd crush me he'd crush <laughs> me alright let's play a little Would You Rather presented by Delta Airlines keep climbing taking into consideration all factors as BYU looks at Boise State we look at both would you rather be the Boise State football program right now or the BYU football program right now what do you think well I want that little number that Boise State has next to their name on the scoreboard but you know being to Boise State I don't know if it's just their visitor locker room but their visitor locker room was bizarre like they it was like a the rest of the athletics we couldn't even use the lockers I got changed underneath the stadium I know they've done some renovations really? yeah what in the world there, it wasn't enough space you ask anyone but I don't know that's mind games but I know they've done some renovations they have extended the Smurf turf before we had to get a little cut out of turf so we could warm up by the kicking net because it just went onto the concrete. So they've done some renovations. They're a great team. You know, they're, they're not Power 5, but they are regarded as a Power 5. But I want to be BYU. I know it's tough, and I know you're against that hard schedule. Looking at next year, 2020, 2021, that schedule, as a player, as a high school recruit, not that I ever was one because I didn't know what football was in high school, but I look at that, I go, man, that's exciting. You're playing like eight, nine Power 5 teams. With that, though, comes its struggles, as we see this year. We can't play the type of football that we've been playing against USF and Toledo against these teams on the coming schedule. You know, not just this year, but also next year. So, yes, it's good for recruiting, but it's not going to help unless we start winning games and say that we're going to be competitive. I like BYU. I love it. There's things that need to improve around here, maybe a little bit more cash fit into the program to improve the facilities and everything and whatnot, make us more like a P5 on that regard. But Boise State's a good, good school, taking nothing away from them, but I'm Cougs all the way. Yeah, it depends what you value, right? If you value winning, Boise State wins a lot. They don't play. Uh, they they play in the Mountain West Conference. BYU was Boise State, right? Boise Boise State was a Division One AA team, uh, made the jump up. They've been the winningest program in college football since two thousand. They've done things in a really unique, amazing way. They're a national power out of Boise, Idaho. It's amazing what they've done to get on the level they are in. Played in a bunch of New Year's Six and BCS games, win conference championships. The last couple of years, it's been UCFs for the group of five. Uh, Boise State, the number one team right now. I appreciate what BYU has in terms of national exposure, national brand, tradition, great schedules. Facilities are better. All of that is better than what Boise State does. What Boise State does better than BYU is... They also have a national brand, albeit not better than BYU's tr- over time, but currently probably a little bit better. Uh, they have a national ranking. They're consistently quality. They win 10 games. These are all the things I wish that BYU did. Yet I wish that BYU could have some of what Boise State does, but most of what BYU does. I think the ceiling is higher for BYU in terms of if BYU can play good ball, then they can be on ESPN, then they can be ranked and do these things. The physical ceiling of the New Year's Six is not as high. Boise State has better access. BYU does not have direct access. They have 
at large access to the New Year's Six. So that can be tough. A pro is the schedule, but also a con is the schedule for Definitely. BYU. A lot of people think I want like a Boise State schedule. I do not. I want BYU to play three power fives a year. Boise State plays like one power five a year. They beat Florida State, who's no good. That was scheduled a long time ago. Florida State became bad. These schedules are obviously just a little too tough for BYU. Cougars sitting at two and four. Played some ranked teams on this. It's tough. If BYU won with this schedule, they would. But they don't. BYU wins 40% of its power fives, and that can be tough. So, therefore, I say schedule three. So, if you win 40% and you go one and two, two and one, you're in a great spot. People respect you. People don't go, oh, we have no respect for Boise State because they've only played one power five. They're ranked 14th. That's respect. That's respect. But, yeah, I, I wish there were elements of Boise State that BYU had in terms of the winning and kind of a lesser schedule because at the end of the day, it's all about what you can do. Okay, coming up, the winningest coach in volleyball, Heather Olmstead, on the matchup with San Diego Friday night and the Cougar Whip Around. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Friday, the ninth-ranked BYU women's volleyball team hosts San Diego. Watch the match on BYU TV with coverage beginning at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Big match for the ladies against San Diego. Just out in the polls, undefeated in league. A matchup of the top two teams in the league. Big-time matchup. I'm Jerem. He's Johnny. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. The head coach of the aforementioned women's volleyball team, Heather Olmstead, now joins us in studio. And, Heather, it's great to have you back in. Thanks for having me. That's a big match. We'll break that down in just a sec. But uh, 16-2, and 7-0 and in West Coast Conference play. Your only, only losses are to two teams in the top 12. How have you felt about the season so far? Really happy with the way we're progressing, with the way that we're continuing to learn and to grow. And it seems like we have so much more to play. And I, I know we do 11 matches left, but we're just getting better every day. And we just have so much so much we want to do and accomplish. So it's really exciting to know that we, we can keep continuing to get better these last couple conference games. Where do you see the improvement happening the most right now from the beginning of the season to now? Yeah, we have a big focus on our serve pass game for sure. We're constantly talking about passing every day. And with that, uh, our defense, so our, our block and our, our defense behind our block are digging. And so it's just never ending. Offensively, we want to get better. It's, it's, there's always parts of your games you can improve upon. So again, I, I just think we have so much room to improve that it's, it's really exciting to see this team grow every day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's always going to be room to improve, but what has been the biggest surprise to you so far this season? Yeah, I'm not, not really surprised. I, I just go into every year, you know, with really no expectations, just talking about how this group can be the best, this 2019 group. And so um, I've been pleased with just the growth each week. I, I think those early losses were good for us. We played our best against Texas, even though we lost. And then the next week we were able to play well at Utah and at Stanford. And we've just built off that. And so I think that's really exciting. I, I'm not surprised because I see the work our girls put in every day off season. And I think I'm excited about the way that we've been able to incorporate the freshmen and, and get that flow going. And it's going to continue to improve. The constant would be, okay, well, I have these returning players. I expect maybe something from them, right? And, and McKenna Miller was a big addition coming back from injury and has been good. But you talked about the, the flow of the freshmen. When do you kind of know what you have with the team in a season, in your opinion? Yeah, I think 
pretty early on, we knew the pieces that we had. We didn't know exactly where they were going to go, and we're still working on that. But just being able to see them in preseason and see their desire to learn and to get better and how coachable they were and how excited they were to be playing at BYU, I knew pretty early that we were going to be able to play some freshmen and they were going to have an impact on our team, and you're seeing that this year. How have the seniors kind of helped play that mentor role, for lack of a better word, and really help those freshmen develop? Yeah, the seniors have been huge for us. Mary, McKenna, Riley, and Key, they, they're so experienced. It's just invaluable. They, they want to help those younger players uh, with our culture, with our uh, match day, with our on-the-road travel. It's just it's incredible the way that they put their arm around those girls and say, here, I'll show you how it's done um, because I care about you, I care about our team, and I want you to have success even when I'm gone. So that's pretty neat to watch those seniors interact with, with the younger players. Talking to Heather Olmstead, head coach of the women's volleyball team. Uh, last week, preparing to call the match against San Francisco, I discovered that um, in BYU history, Alexa Gray has the most uh, attempts per set. Uh, and then McKenna Miller is number two currently. Was feeding her the ball a ton uh, a thing that you wanted to do, or is just natural kind of with who McKenna is and perhaps the freshman setter trying to find the best outside hitter? Yeah, McKenna's doing a fantastic job. She's leading our team. Obviously, we, our setters know that they can get her the ball, and she's going to deliver with the kill. And so I think that it's a natural progression. I mean, she's been someone we've leaned on her whole career, you know, since her freshman year, and she's just such a stud. And so I'm so happy for her, the way that she's playing. She's continuing to try to develop her, her toolbox and her game, and it's just, you know, she, she's not taking a single day for granted, and you can tell that when she plays. Let's talk about last Thursday. So uh, you're up two sets to none. McKenna doesn't play in the third set. But then late down 23-19, I think, you bring in McKenna and she serves uh, from 21 to 25 the win. What went into that decision to bring her back in the match to serve? Yeah, I I felt uh, that she should go in and serve. So I called her over. I said, McKenna, she hadn't gone in. I knew she was a little cold. So that's a little bit of a concern with coming back from her ACL. Asked her, how do you feel about going in and serving right now? Because I know you can do it and I want you to do it. And she says, I want to do it. Let's go. And of course, the rest is history. She goes in and serves a couple aces and, and we, we win 25-23. So that's, and that's good coaching, right? That's what that's all about McKenna. <laughs> and McKenna was ready for that moment. We talked to our team about that. You got to be ready for your moment. And she was, you know, she was willing to, to sit out that set and then her number was called and she was ready to go. And I think that's just such a great example for the younger players to know, you know, you're going to get tapped on the shoulder one day and you want to be ready to go in and, and contribute to what the team's doing. Yeah, McKenna is definitely a gamer. you got a bunch of gamers on your team. You are one yourself. But what, talk about that mental preparation because the BYU, we're a women's volleyball school. <laughs> and so typically hey, the teams have men's? been... <laughs> it's an Olmstead volleyball school. We're a volleyball school, right? yeah. and women's soccer school. <laughs> yeah, I think it takes a lot of mental preparation every day to go to practice to bring it to empty the tank, and we talk about that with, with the girls. Every day we got to empty the tank, practice and matches, and you can see that when they're playing. It, it takes a lot of mental effort to focus on your skills and continue to just work hard within the match with a lot of ebbs and flows, and so they're doing a great job just trying to stay as focused and consistent as they can. Replacing Lindy uh, Haddock Epic was always going to be a tall order, but in comes this freshman, Whitney Bauer. Parents Caroline and Danny Bauer both played at BYU women's volleyball and, and uh, men's basketball there. She reclassifies, skips her senior year, and now she's the f- starting freshman on your team. What went into her recruitment and the decision to reclassify and join her sister this season? Whitney uh, is, is playing so well right now, and so 
we knew early on Whitney was a winner. You could just tell when you watch her play. She wins. She competes. She's got great energy. She's uh, involved with her teammates. She's interacting. She communicates well. And so she saw an opportunity to come in and help our team, and she took advantage of it. So that's really what it came down to. She wanted to be here. She wanted to help this team. She wanted to help us continue to get better. And so we're just super grateful that she's here, and she's, she understands her job, and she's working hard every single day to make her hitters look better. She's trying to put up hittable sets. She understands her job. She's got a great serve. She plays defense. I mean, she's, she's the whole package. And so uh, it's just super exciting the way that it's worked out and kind of her story. 33 aces. I mean, and this is something I love about the women's game that is not in the men's game. The, the shorter setter or whatever can have a major impact from the service line that you don't see in the men's yeah, game. Yeah, she does a great job. She works hard at her serve. Uh, she's she understands that she can go back and score a bunch of points for us, and she wants to do that. And Also, when she's in the back row, she wants to dig for our team and, and put up as many digs as she can, and you can see that in her play. Let's talk about Mary Lake. She's about 80 digs away from becoming the all-time leader. When did you know she'd be a special player? Uh, the first time I saw her play, yeah. Hey, how old was she in high school? Uh, she was freshman in high school. I saw her play. I Starting saw her, varsity as a freshman? Yeah, it was club. I saw her, gotcha. I saw her just her platform. I saw her ability uh, to see the ball, her eye work. Her lateral movement left to right, her competitive fire, her energy, and it was pretty obvious um, that she was who we wanted and that she was going to be one of the greatest liberos to ever play here. Yeah, perhaps the greatest. Who knows? She's in the conversation yep. for sure, right? And, of course, let's talk about San Diego. So uh, you're both unbeaten. Uh, they're just out of the polls. Typically, this is a tough, tough match yep. and another big one Friday. Yeah, San Diego's playing great, and we expect them to play great on Friday. They're little feisty group always they're defensively very scrappy so we like to match that with our you know scrappiness uh, they've got offensive weapons they can set multiple pin hitters they've got middles they they're very physical and they're well coached and so it's going to be a battle for sure on friday night okay we're looking forward to it nine eastern six pacific on byu tv coming up friday night byu women's volleyball rank number nine thanks heather Appreciate thank you guys thanks for having me all right what's coming up johnny Coming up, which Cougar can you watch on Thursday Night Football tonight? And who is the new home football sideline reporter for the rest of the season? We'll tell you. This is BYU Sports Nation. Thanks to today's guests, Uluru Lapuahu and Heather Olmstead. The show is on demand via podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar (laughs) Whip Around. Football. Darren Hall participated in practice yesterday, but has not passed concussion protocol to play in Saturday's game against number 14, Boise State. Countdown to kickoff is live at 9 Eastern Saturday night. Cougars in the NFL. Sophie passes. Daniel Sorensen, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Denver Broncos tonight. Hey, if you're going to that game, look for Jason Shepard in Chiefs gear and Spencer Linton in neutral gear, probably. (laughs) Sorensen has 13 tackles on the season. Soccer. Top draw soccer released its top 100 college players. Michaela Coolahan is number 17, and Elise Flake is number 61. I think a six is a typo. She should be number one. The two have combined 19 goals and seven assists. The still undefeated Cougars host St. Mary's Friday night on BYU Radio at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Golf. Peter Quest for Perfection is ranked as the top male collegiate golfer in the country right now. According to NCAA rankings released yesterday, he averages an NCAA low 67.9 average per round. Are you kidding me? Three top five finishes in as many tournaments this season. Quest and the now fifth-ranked men's golf team. So guess what? We've added a top ten team to the list. Women's soccer, volleyball, men and women's cross-country. Are you kidding me? Five top ten teams right now? 
That's and four are in the top five. Unbelievable. They play in the Pacific Invitational next week. Softball. BYU takes on crosstown rivals UVU tonight in a full game at Gayle Miller Field. Game time is at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Tennis. Five of the men's players will advance to compete in the round of 32 today at the ITA Mountain Regional Championship. Mateos Fejeda Lechi, Ben Gallardo, Sam Tullis, Sean Hill, Mateo Vero Melendez, and Jack Barnett will all continue in singles play in Denver. I mentioned uh, before the break, we have a new home football sideline reporter, and uh, Carla Haslam will migrate uh, and continue to do women's soccer analysis on BYU TV, but she will be our home football sideline reporter for the rest of the season. You'll see her for the first time Saturday night on Countdown to Kickoff 9 Eastern. Excited to have Carla into the group, so uh, she's going to do a great job. Also, uh, as you mentioned, guest analyst Brian Keel will join us as well. All right, time for some rise and shout-outs. Who do you give yours to? I give mine. To the New Zealand All Blacks, they play Ireland in the quarterfinal of the 2019 Rugby World Cup as we go for three in a row. Ireland, they came second in their group, so that's why we play them in the quarterfinal. Japan, actually, the World Cup is in Japan, topped that group, so they're on the other side of the bracket, but go All Blacks. My, the home field, right, was big for Japan. USA played four, bowed out after a pool play there. Uh, mine goes to the Utah Highway Patrol trooper Ruben Correa. I don't know if you've seen this video. I think those in Utah have. If you haven't outside, got to watch it. A man in a vehicle uh, had it stall on the front runner train uh, railroad tracks, and uh, Officer Correa went and pulled the man out like um, like a second before the train hit it. And the train had slowed down. Unbelievable, great job by Ruben Correa, uh, Utah Highway Patrol trooper, uh, pulling him out. A scary situation, but uh, an amazing finish to that. Our question of the day, which Mountain West Conference team are you most confident BYU will beat this season and why? Uh, our elite voice of the day, at Eric R. Eric on Twitter. The game at San Diego State, it's the Saturday after Thanksgiving, so less home field advantage. The San Diego State students will be at home. <laughs> That's assuming they'd actually go to the game. That's funny. And BYU has lots of fans in SoCal, and we may have some injured players back by then, Zach Wilson and what seems like the entire offensive line, uh, and perhaps some sense of desperation if BYU's 5-6 and six at that point, got to win it to go to a bowl game, got to. would be on the line. And that'd be nice because it's a free trip to Hawaii. Free so trip. Mo- so motivation would be high for those guys, right? Extra motivation to the seniors because <laughs> we flew first class when we went to Hawaii in 2017. So the conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN and follow JayLinahan9. Okay, yep, there it is. Sorry to Dennis, spit no Hello, time. Jerem. Hello, Dennis. For Johnny, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Spencer Romney. You got Baylor, you got uh, Gunner, you got Spencer. Maybe more in the future, we'll see. See you tomorrow for another BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs!